Hey, this is Scott Hartnell, and you're listening to Music City Gold on Penalty Box Radio. back everybody to another episode of music city gold off-season edition i'm your host kyle and with me as always are my co-hosts daniel and matt hello hey guys well boys last night we thought we were going to see who's going to come out of the eastern conference for the stanley cup playoffs but capital decided they want to force a game seven so tomorrow night which is wednesday because we were recording on tuesday we will have game seven capitals versus bolts to see who plays the vegas golden knights your boys are hanging in there they're 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 doing us proud. They pulled it out. You know, I I, I really want Trotz and Ovi to, to continue on to the final. It'll be the first time in twenty years that they've been. Um and you kind of already alluded to it. Well, the Golden Knights are in the finals. Who would have thought? <laughs> A five hundred to one long dog That's I mean right. literally long shot. The underdog. I said long dog. <laughs> I mean it's a combination of the two. Long shot and underdog. They are in the finals right now. And the hockey world has lost its ever-loving mind. I love it. Twitter even became a dumpster fire this week. I, I mean, it, it got bad. It got salty. We even got called Preds Facebook. I was like, wow, way to insult <laughs> our account to call us the Preds Facebook because we happen to say this may not be a bad thing. We will get into that later because I'm pretty sure all three of us have a strongly strongly worded opinion either left or right on this it's a fun time to be alive it is it is absolutely ridiculous what they're doing <laughs> this year i'm i'm out of words they have proven us wrong all year so it's an incredible story for the nhl or it's the worst thing to happen ever no in between <laughs> we'll find out in 20 minutes <laughs> yep, there's no middle view so let's get around to league news boys so if you've been under a rock the preds lost somebody this week guys <laughs> who, who Kyle Paul Fenton and for those who don't know who Paul Fenton is how about you inform all many, the casual listeners how many goals did he score last year Kyle didn't score any goals but he's our assistant general manager he scored in our hearts he did and he was the general manager of the Milwaukee Admirals it's been long said that he was deserving of a GM job and he finally got it but he's going to a divisional rival he is going to the Minnesota Wild to be their new GM after Chuck Fletcher got let go yeah, I mean, we could kind of see this coming. I think he's been in the talks uh, over the past several years because, well, he kept building great teams for the Preds, and the Preds have continued to do better in the playoffs. And <laughs> the Wild really need someone because right now, looking at their cap space and some of the contracts that they have on there, it's not going to be good. Look who's coaching the Wild. <laughs> They're definitely going to want to let him go in a couple years. I mean, or if not immediately. I just don't like his playing style in the in the in the playoffs, so you can tell. It is what it is. I wish Paul all the best. And that being said, because he went up to the Wild, some people got promoted in the front office. So you got Jeff Kilty, he's promoted to the assistant general manager and director of scouting for the Preds. David Poyle's son, Brian Poyle, has been made assistant general manager and director of hockey operations. And then Scott Nichol has been promoted to the GM of the Admirals and director of player development. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how they split up the assistant general manager now. Um, they they kind of did it in the scouting and in the operations, which I know Brian was already in operations, so it kind of made sense to do that. 
so they'd share responsibilities. I mean, it boils down to David Poyle anyways in the end, but it, it is nice that they did have replacements immediately, and I don't think it's going to be too much of a hit. No matter how long the Preds are in Nashville, there will always be a Poyle in the Preds. Probably. I mean, if if you think about it, he's grooming his son yeah. to take over the franchise. He said he's been in the organization about eight years, but I can vouch for him. I've known him personally longer yeah, than that. Yeah, he said, I've known him for a long time. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Media got a kick out of that one. Yeah. But, you know, I, I honestly think that'll be the future, and it seems like Ryan's headed in the right direction. I mean, <laughs> you're underneath your dad, but he happens to be the best GM <laughs> in the league, most wins. I mean... Well, he's got some big shoes to fill a player underneath his dad. Yeah, he does. But uh, honestly, hearing the stories about how structured Poyle is and how meticulous he is about every single aspect. I mean, it's ridiculous. He has everything charted out. I mean, like task oriented, apparently in his house, too, when the kids were growing up. So it's only going to convey to his son. And uh, I think he's going to do a great job. And I we're just going to keep moving. It, David's still going to be here for a while, so we don't have to worry. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think he'll be the next Lou Lamarillo. <laughs> and speaking of Lou, <laughs> he's over to the Islanders now. He left Toronto. That's right. And they said the first thing he did was go talk to John Tavares. Oh, I bet he did. I yeah. wonder why he did. Because <laughs> do they want to keep Tavares? Because, boy, that heats up some juicy trade talk and signing talk on Tavares because... It's been rumored, boys, that he wants to play with the Preds. I would love to have him in gold so much. Yeah, I heard that. Lou Lamarillo, of course, one of the first things he did was talk to the Tavares camp, but I think it was Elliot Freeman who had been stirring around the rumor mill that he wants to try to bring Ilya Kovalchuk back over, and that would help maybe entice Tavares to want to stay. So... I don't know. We'll it's talk, a rumor we'll talk, at this point. Yeah, but, we're, uh, we'll, once we get into the Preds segment here in a few, we'll talk a little bit more about that because I have some takes on it. There's a lot that would have to happen for him to come here. But if it's an option, do you think David Poyle is looking at it? Heck yeah. He, he's looking at it. I mean, it's David Poyle. I saw a lot of people said if you even have the hint that Tavares wants to play in Nashville, you make it happen. It's kind of the skepticism people are having is, you know, Lou comes over, but... Garth Snow is still the GM, so he's the president of hockey operations who really is running the ship there because they both like to be in control. <laughs> no know. one. It's going to be button heads. That's, that remains to be seen, and that might play a big role in the determination factor if Tavares stays. Do you know what he wants? Stability. What do the Preds have right now? Stability. Stability. That's true. Because it seems that everybody hates Garth Snow. Everybody loves Lou, but... Uh, yeah, everyone hates Snow. <laughs> you heard about the Islanders fans that made the billboard, right? Yeah, yeah right. they literally were trying to run him out of town. Snow must go. Yeah, so I I do not know how that's going to work out. And we will deep dive into that later, into the cap space uh, portion with the Preds. But it's on the table, boys. And it, it got us started into the off-season talks real quick. <laughs> it made us uh, get over that... That playoff lull and the uh, the absolute regret and just dull times of not having any Preds hockey in our life. But we got other playoff hockey. We do. And we're still waiting and worried about the Preds social media pickup game. That's still in the works. Don't have any details yet. Like I said, the person you need to follow for that is Hasbin Sports because they're the ones apparently handling all. So as soon as we hear something from them, we'll let you guys know. You can come cheer us on. See Daniel score a goal. 
See Matt get lit up in goal. <laughs> we don't even know where Matt's going to play yet. He doesn't even know how to skate, so. That's right. Well, he might look like he, he might look like Emlyn out on the ice. <laughs> like What'll a, happen? They'll be like announced, and they'll be like, "And tonight's scratches for the team: Matt Bain, wow, <laughs> in a suit in the press box eating popcorn." <laughs> but speaking of you know type play and stuff, we do have one more coach change too, and this happened today. Uh, Boston University head coach David Quinn has been hired to coach the Rangers after letting Elaine Vinyago. Yeah, that's the second college coach coming up this year, uh, the first one being from Denver. So uh, it's interesting to see a couple of collegiates getting the chance to shine in the NHL because normally we just rotate coaches. So it'll be interesting to see how those teams work out this year. You know, another thing about coaches, I know it was Greg Wojcinski who was it's starting the rumor mill again. I don't know what it is about Twitter right now, but we love the rumors, the hype. It's just exciting times. But anyway, he was saying that, you know, since the Preds assistant GM, Paul Fenton now is with the Wild, and he happened to have been friends with Barry Trotz when he worked in Nashville. And guess who doesn't have a contract next year? Barry Trotz. Whoa. So there's some potentiality that Barry Trotz might end up with the Wild next year. Who knows? Do you think, honestly, though, now that the Capitals have made it to the Eastern Conference Final, and they are one game away from the Stanley Cup? Well, they let Trotz. Trotz, from what I've heard, seemed pretty confident that he his time in Washington was done because it was apparently seen that he was telling another coach that. But that was before the second round. Now that they're uh, uh, one game yeah. away from the finals, you might reconsider a contract extension in the offseason. Bro, I, I they're know. looking at a juicy contract if they're if if they're. If they have any sense, they're putting it on the table. With what he's done, yes, they've had several second-round exits, but they've made the playoffs almost consistently. They've been winning Preston's trophies. I mean, they're a great team, and Trotz has got them going in the right direction. Yeah, he's one of the more tenured coaches around the league. I'd hate to ship him off and just get somebody who you don't know and end up being worse. You like to keep the guy you got because you know what you're going to get. When Trotz went to Washington and it was announced that Lavi was actually coming here, I was actually pretty shocked because I honestly thought he was an excellent coach and I didn't know why the Flyers were getting rid of him. I mean, I understand the circumstances and all that and you do have a couple, you know, down seasons, but I think Poyle does a great job of living the uh, living through the storm, essentially, because he did that with Trots and look at where we came out on the other side with Trots. We actually had a decent base of an organization from nothing I might add. I mean, we went from absolutely nothing. And now Trotz is even flourishing, too. So I do credit Poyle. We've only had two coaches in our entire 20 years <laughs> as a team. That cannot be said for other other teams, and I prefer that. And I'm glad we have Lavi. But I, I, there's several good coaches that I don't understand why they get let go because it's like they might not have the best personnel or the players there to win this year, but you know, give them a couple more years and they're going to be right there because they are – they are great at coaching. I think that's because sometimes the teams are in a win-now mode. The they're front office is win constantly now. in win-now. And if they don't get the expected results, they're like, all right. Same thing with Dallas. We always talk about burning the ship down. I feel like a lot more teams are starting to get into that mode. Like They go a year or two without making the playoffs, and they're like, all right, shake things up. We want to win now. And you forget the fact that only 16 teams every year can make the playoffs. Yeah, what happened in Chicago this year when the Blackhawks didn't make it? People were calling for the fi- I mean, like, seriously, well, are you going to fire... Well, the difference is sometimes Quinville is the perfect fit for Chicago. And sometimes when coaches get shipped around, you might not know yet how that fit is going to turn out Mm -hmm. in, say, Dallas. Yep. But once you find the fit, 
then you have to take your course of action. You find the guy you like and you stick with him. Uh, but that's the thing. Like one bad year for Chicago and they're calling to fire a no. guy who won a cup three times. Yeah. Yeah, like, come on, guys. That's, uh, no. No, you don't do it. And that's that goes back to the point Kyle was making. They're, everyone's in win now. If you don't win, ship everybody else off. You get a new coach in. And I'm honestly in the camp on the opposite side saying, hey, that coach is really good. Just give them the right personnel. You might be, <laughs> you might need to rebuild a little bit. So it's that's just kind of is what it is. So I, that'll be interesting to see what the Capitals decide in the offseason. But I honestly think you cannot let him go. You cannot let him go as a coach. His record speaks for itself. While his, his tenured time there speaks for itself with the amount of times they've made the playoffs, the President's Trophies. Yes, they failed in the second round to the Penguins, a really good team, I might add, who won the Cup <laughs> two times in a row. So... You got to sign them. You got to sign them, in my opinion. But speaking of Capitals, let's move on into the Eastern Conference Game 7 coming up, boys. We talked about it in the opener for just a second, but the Bolts could not close it out and Caps them force a Game 7, which to me I'm excited for because I think the Caps will take it. <sighs> yeah. I, I, oh, it's a 50 50, in my opinion. <clears throat> it really is a toss up. Well, I expected the Lightning to close that out because couple of stats I pulled up. Vasilevsky in his last five games on the road is 5-0 and with a 9-4-5 save percentage. I expected them to close that game out, but didn't happen. Yeah. Holtby came back and got, guess what, his first shutout of the season. Are you kidding <laughs> me? For, good good Was game it his to first shutout of the entire uh, regular the game post? Season. Of the entire season. It wow. blew my mind because I'm like, if you needed a game to post a shutout, <laughs> that was it, my friend. Yeah. That was it because y'all had been sucking at home. You had, oh, first yeah. of all, you won two on the road, then they won two on the road. So home teams were 0 and 4 in the series. First of all, home and field lost advantage. Three in a row. Yeah, home field advantage in this playoffs has not meant anything. Just throw it out the window. Pretty I, much. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. If I'm a fan, I'm buying tickets to the road games and then going and staying at that at that town for a week, week and a half, and just camping out because I'm more likely to see a win on the road than at home. Yeah, speaking to that effect, entering the game last Tuesday, at home, the home teams combined for a win percentage of 4.65 win percentage. That's 33 geez. and 38, and that is the worst win percentage at home in the playoffs since 1968. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Un- yeah, uncharacteristically bad at home. The Predators saw it. The Jets saw it. You got to think, even in the first couple games, the Kings lost both at home. The Sharks lost at home a couple times. I mean, it's it's insane. So, I don't know what's in the water this year, but apparently the home field advantage means nothing, and that sucks on a year when the Preds win the President's Trophy because we get home yep. field advantage the entire playoffs. So, it didn't really mean a whole lot for us, but... I mean, who do you got, Kyle? And uh, I'm sorry. Oh, look at the smirk on his face already. <laughs> you have you, to ask. What's the score? I will say Capitals will win tomorrow by a score of four to two. I, I, I think, can see that. I think Tampa will press, but I think Capitals will close it out. So, so here's the problem with statistics. If you say <laughs> the home team wins four out of ten games, you can say, well, if they play ten games, then I've got the Lightning because they're away. But the problem is you're not playing the best of 10 average. You're playing one game. It's really a Lightning are playing at home now. Oh, so, so I said that backwards. Okay. Yeah. So it. So so what's your stats now? Uh, you got to remember, 
Capitals came into Tampa and took both games originally. Took both games in Tampa. I don't know who you got, Daniel. We'll do you first. I honestly am going to have to lean towards the Capitals because I think not closing it out in game six was punishing. I think that was a big blow for because you knew they were going to come out there and firing because they'd already won two on the road, two. I might add, they had won two on the road. So they know they could win in Washington, and they couldn't do it. I, I mean, it's really a toss-up. It really is a toss It's a game seven. Yeah, I know. In remarks to game six, I know Ryan Callahan said that uh, they played like their lives were on the line, speaking of uh, the Capitals, and we played like we had another chance. And uh, I think it was Joe Smith who who had that quote. And, and that goes to show you, yeah, they had another chance. They didn't play quite as well, but this is the game on the line, you know, game seven. I might take the Lightning. I don't know, but... It, like I said, it's 50-50. I think if the Capitals plays physical as they did in game six, they're going on. Oh, yeah. Because they... They, they play the crap out of physical. <laughs> they destroyed the Lightning. Every time someone had a puck, they were getting hit. It was a great game to watch. I mean, if, if you didn't see this game, you need to go watch it. Super exciting, fast-paced... Like I said, it's a 50-50. I'm leaning slightly towards the Capitals, but if one, you, one bad look, puck bounce, and yeah. it's going to change the game. So The Capitals, that last game, were they had one power play, and they scored on that. And you could think, well, one penalty, one way or the other, could be the determining factor of this game. I think it was two games before that, Lars Eller had combined for five penalties in two games. I mean, you, you, you're going to need to have some discipline coming up. They didn't get to capitalize any of the lightning of the last game, but... well. The Capitals' power play has been phenomenal in the postseason. So if you're the Lightning, you've got to stay out of the box in Game 7. That's 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 one of the keys going in. Game 7, you got to stay out of it. But then I look at this stat that says the Caps are, I believe it's now 7-1 and one on the road this postseason. Exactly. Man, it's hard to bet against the Capitals. But like I said, they're at home. It's a Game 7. Anything can happen. You get a fluky puck bounce. Hey, Matt. Uh, and We'll take a ten dollar bet. Uh oh. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can do that. It's such a toss up at this point. I know if you want to look at some stats for Game Six, I know Coach Cooper after the game alluded to the fact that the Lightning just weren't quite capitalizing on every chance they got. They were down in a few aspects, and and it was Mike Kelly who pointed this out. He said that the Lightning were actually down fifteen percent in shooting accuracy compared to the Capitals, and in the slot they were down almost thirty percent in accuracy. So for a team to get those looks, they were just flat out missing. I don't know what the reason was for that, but they, they weren't quite getting it done in the slot. And the Lightning were also, out of the teams remaining, the only team with less than 50% shooting in the slot on net. So you're saying you're not going to take the $10 bet? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think it goes back to you kind of throw the stats out for a game yeah, seven. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that was a great in-depth analysis on the danger slots and the slot percentage chances. And if they can't capitalize, then they're going home, and the Capitals will capitalize. Did you Did you know? Boom. I love that pun. Boom. <laughs> Every time the Lightning have been in the Eastern Conference Finals, they've always went to a Game 7. For real? For real. Boy, they like to live on the edge there. That's right. I mean. What was the stat about the Capitals? Let me find that out here, too. Was it a meme or a stat? No. Because you're laughing already. Yeah, it was that the Caps have been to 18 playoff series under in the Ovechkin era. It was uh, Filipovich who said that, and he said out of 
those 18, 11 of them have went to Game 7. So it seems both teams have quite the flair for the dramatic. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be glued to the TV tomorrow. Yeah. It's, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be such a heightened expectation. It's, it's, going, to, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great game, and I am totally expecting to just send Matt a text message when the Caps win. It simply says, suck it, Matt. Yeah. and You're getting closer to that bet, Kyle. You keep talking crap over there. You know, all I'm going to say is it will be on the other foot, too. So if they don't win, <laughs> believe me, we're going to roast you in the group message. So It's all right. I mean, I want them to win, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I would love to see the Capitals go. Tampa's a good team. Tampa can make it. If they make it, awesome. I'll support Tampa. If the Capitals make it, I'll support the Capitals. Because I, I, actually, can, I can already see <laughs> he's not supporting the Knights, that's for sure. <laughs> we haven't even got to the Knights yet, and he's like, well, yep. Eastern well, I will Conference. say, when I first started watching hockey, Tampa at the time was my favorite Eastern Conference team, and it really came down to the uniforms. I love just how good the uniforms looked at the time. Is that oh. negative space? <laughs> it was all that negative space. But hey, you brought up Vegas, so that's a good segue into Vegas. So guys, I want to to ask you a question here. It's a very simple question. Do you love the sport of hockey? <laughs> Sometimes. I don't know about this year. I don't know what's going on. So everyone's given Vegas crap for making it to the Stanley Cup final. But do you know what other team made the Stanley Cup final in their inaugural season? It was the Blues, wasn't it? Yep. In 68 in the board behind me. You guys can't see it, but we have a television screen with our notes on it, so we can do some real looks as we're going through. I also want to say, though, that is also a skewed stat, because the last time that that occurred, those were all expansion teams playing. True. It's <laughs> a little skewed, it but was it was designed guaranteed it. that an inaugural team was going to make it. That said, though, still impressive. And it's the only proof we have that the NHL did design something to say this team was going to the final at least. Because if you're under a rock, Vegas Knights beat Winnipeg, went to the finals. Well, they're going to the finals. And the hockey world, as we said earlier in the opener, lost its ever love in mind. Yeah, it, it's pretty bad. People are going crazy. I have seen everything from Vegas Page for their team. And I'm like, true, they did pay for their team. $500 million. <laughs> oh, they paid all right. <laughs> And they're like, and here's everything I don't get. Somebody had the gall to say, Vegas hasn't put their time in. And I was like, wait <laughs> a second. Matt Bain last Everybody episode? says I that. I think Matt said that last episode. Hey, boy, wait your turn. <laughs> like, <laughs> But there's not... nothing that says you have to wait your turn. Every team at the start of the season, Knights included, all had a 100% chance to make the final. Then the season starts. 100%. I don't know about that, Kyle. That's a stretch. I mean, the Coyotes had a 100% chance. Well, at the time, before the season starts, everybody has the same chance to make the final, which is where I got the 100%. Okay. Everybody has the same chance to get in. Then once the game starts and the season goes... It drastically decreases. It changes. For, for the Hurricanes, the... Oh, sorry. That's your bubble oh, team. For the Hurricanes... take that back. The Canucks and some of the other terrible teams. Oh, the Sabres. Oh, let's not forget yeah. the Sabres. So. But here's the question. Honestly, do you think this is good for the sport? The question is, would a cup for Vegas be good for the sport? Because they haven't won it yet. They still got yeah. four more, but my God, they've proved us wrong all the way up to now. I mean, it's ridiculous. I have some hot takes on this. We I, all have I really takes on do. It. So, in your opinion, okay, Vegas winning the cup, good or bad? Good. Why? Because it proves that any team can win it, no matter if it's your first year or not. Okay. I'm going to say 
No. Oh. I'm going to say, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hear me out because I thought about this one long and hard. For the NHL, do you think they're making money off this? Oh, yes. An expansion team comes in and they automatically have tons of fans everywhere because they make the final. So they're making money off of the TV. They're making money off of anything at this point. Merchandise, advertising. It's fantastic for the NHL. The NHL also made the same off Nashville last season, too. From a money standpoint, they are killing it. Will this be the greatest underdog story ever in the history of sports? Yes. Okay, so where's the negative? You are talking about the hardest. This is this is like everywhere. This is 100% known. If you're any you know, somewhat into hockey, hockey, the Stanley Cup, is the hardest trophy to win in all of sports. And you have a team that is coming in right now and they are four games away from winning the toughest. You, you have that as a badge of honor. You hang that up everywhere. Sounds, the league will. I'm not seeing the downside of yeah, this. It sounds pretty awesome. No, 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 no. If it is the toughest championship to win, can a team in the first season win it? Yes. So you're saying negative, like from the rest of the league's yes, perspective? the league. See, I almost, I kind of in between... I'm in between too because here's the deal. Here's the deal. Is it good from the PR and all? Yeah, they're killing it. Oh, it's great for hockey. Absolutely killing it from a PR standpoint. But I also have to put some blame on the other GMs. Exactly. So hold on. I, I know you're looking at this because hold on. Our rules were different in 98. So yes, the league gave them a generous head start. Absolute generous head start. But you have to give some credit to the Golden Knights for picking those players, finding oh, those, yeah. finding the needles in the haystack. First of all, who would have thought Carlson would have had 40 goals? Oh, we're going to get into the picks. Who would have thought Carlson would have had 40 goals? They basically were, first of all, Flurry. Flurry is available? Are you kidding me? He is one of the reasons why they're so far. He waived his non-move contract. I'm sorry, his non-move clause. And you're talking about GMs. Here's something I got from Chris Johnson on Twitter. He said, reminder, the Vegas Golden Knights were given a second-round pick to take Mark andre Fleury, oh my God. Jonathan Marchessault to take Riley Smith, Alex Tuck to take Eric Halla, Shea Theodore to take Clayton Stoner, and a first and second to take William Carlson and oh David God. Clarkson's contracts. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's crazy. That was, the, that was just what I was about to mention. They were given some of their best players in order to take this player and not that player. Exactly. So some of these GMs are looking like suckers well, right now. I, I mean, you, look, you're you're saying. First of all, do you not think? How, how, how do you think these GMs who've been doing this for 15 years are suckers? What are the odds of that happening? No, that all it's 30 not teams. All that. I think honestly, we have a couple of factors in play. The rules were more favorable for them. Less picks, uh, less protection picks. So there's going to be a better player available. The level of players in the league, the average player is better than they were in 98. You can't tell me that's not a fact. The The bar has been raised since then. So you're getting a better player already. All right. Well, here's where the, here's the crux of the, of the difference between the two ideologies. Your premise that they were given this golden roster, that, no. the, that the players were great. No. Nobody was making this argument when it happened. When you looked at the roster however many months ago, nobody I, was saying, oh, this team is too good. I didn't say they were given a golden roster. I'm saying, how did that... 
how do you know a Carlson's going to score 40 goals? No. You don't. He, right. There's a couple of players that have completely outperformed where they were supposed to be. Marsha So being one. Carlson. Hold on. Reeves, who got traded to someone that got retraded, ended up scoring the game-winning goal in the Western Conference Finals and is now back in the, the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah. On an, an expansion team after Pittsburgh got rid of him. How and he's, cr- and he's and a he's Winnipeg. Winnipeg. And he's a Winnipeg native. You talk about rubbing and in your that face. that was his first goal as a Vegas Knight. Get you some of I that. I can't make up these storylines. <laughs> I mean, like like I said earlier, for, for a PR standpoint, the league is killing it right now. It has went well above and beyond what they hoped it was going to be. I think you just... The thing we haven't mentioned yet is that you have to... We can... We can speculate on some of these other GMs, but the thing you have to credit is their GM, their George GM. McPhee, oh has done a gosh. fantastic job. He's getting GM of the year. There's, there's Gerard no... Gallant has done a fantastic job you, coaching these people. You know why? They play simple, basic hockey, and they're consistent. I think that George McPhee went out and got all these misfits, but he knew what he was looking for. He was looking for a group of players that were all homogenous to play in the system that he wanted, and that, in that particular is... system— Worked very well because you know why he adapted for the modern day style of hockey and went out and got a roster that fit that bill. It's basic. They score one or two goals. They play solid defense. They've done that all year. I talked about that in the regular season. You mentioned how good Carlson is and nobody could expect some of these players, Tuck and March or so, to be that good. Well, another factor you can't predict is Marc-Andre Fleury has looked the best he's ever looked in his career. Uh, do you think, honestly, if he played the entire season, is he as fresh as he is? Probably not. Yeah, I think not. I think the injury actually helped him because he was able to take off that grind a little bit, a little por- portion of it, and now he's in the playoffs and he's hot. And you're talking about goalies. You have to also remember that Vegas got down to their fifth string goalie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It got ridiculous at one point. Like, And they were still winning because they were still playing consistent hockey. It's a basic brand of hockey, but they've been consistent the whole year. Their level might not be as high as other clubs' top end level. So, say you take the Knights, and this is their top end. This is it, right here. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard for for viewers, but you peak right here, and the Jets are way up here because the Jets have crazy offensive firepower. But were the Jets that consistent? No. no. Were the Preds that consistent? No. The Knights just. It's weather the storm. We they get criticized because they may not have that top end talent, that one or two superstar players, but they do it by committee. Do you know who they look like? They look like the Preds from last pro season. You ready for this? You want to see the the similarities? Both teams sweep in the first round. Both teams aren't expected to do well in the playoffs, even though they though they came in as a number one seed. No one, including you had them going past the first round or the second round or making the cup final. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Everyone trashed them. The Preds were the same way, 16th seed. Both teams swept. Um, what are they doing well? Playing solid defensive play. Both goaltenders, Pekka had an incredible postseason last year. Two shutouts in Chicago to start the postseason off. Flurry's doing the same thing. They're playing gritty. They're playing physical. All the things that we had last year. Another thing. All the things that we had last year. It is almost mind-boggling how similar the two teams are. Another thing, comparison them to the Jofa line, their top line, Riley Smith, Carlson, and Marcheseau combined this position for 16 goals and a plus 27 rating on the ice. 
That's that, dominant. It's almost a mirror image of the Preds' last postseason. I was sitting there looking at that today, and I'm like, that is uncanny how similar the runs are. It, it's just crazy to me that you can draft all these players, but the thing that was the biggest, the biggest tilting point for me was the chemistry. Where's the chemistry going to be? They they put it together. Give credit to them, their staff, their team. They did the work, and they had a system in play for those those players. Not all the players in the league. For those players that they drafted, it's kind of what you said. He knew what he wanted. He went out and got them, and he put them in that system where he thought those players could flourish, and they have. Now, with Seattle coming in, do you think they'll go by the same expansion rules? Yes. If not, slightly better because they're paying something like $50 million more or something. So they're going to get at least as good a deal as Vegas got, I think. Uh, do you think GMs are now paying attention to the Seattle draft? They might be trying to protect a little better. <laughs> yeah, they are. In the coming up. Yeah, they are. I mean, I think they're the whole- hedging their bets now on this offseason. Because a, c- a couple of them got taken off guard because they didn't know the rules of, of how it was going to go. So a couple of them got taken off That's guard. That's what I was alluding to. I wasn't saying like all the GMs gotcha. were suckers. I mean, like at some point we had we had to get rid of Neil. Some of the best teams were just strapped because they had too many good players we, and they weren't prepared to have to let go of. The Murray and Flurry situation. How do you have, it's two Stanley Cup winning goaltenders. So good for them. They lucked out on that. Great year to join because it just happened to work out. Because you know if Flurry goes to free agency that year, someone is gobbling him up, and then they're protecting him the next year. So, once again, the stars had to align perfectly for them. Neil with us. Would we have wanted wanted to get rid of Neil? Probably not. We would have kept Neil. We needed a winger anyways. <laughs> Shocker. That's what we were vying for this entire year. Um, but we had to get rid of him because of cap space, and he was aging. So do you think Neil is going to do the same consistently over the next two to three years? No, he's not. And he may not even come back to the Knights next season. He too. Yeah. Everyone was like, bring Neil back. No, no, it's not going to happen. No, no, no. Yeah. It, Did you know Vegas is paying $20 million in cap space to players not on their roster? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Cause we, remember, we, I think it was, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago, we had some criticism because we got some wind, you know, the news they were paying so-and-so, however many millions of dollars, and he's not a roster player for them. They were getting criticized, but man, it seems a little complicated to me. I don't want to do all these complicated deals. And But credit, again, to George McPhee, man. They seem to know what they're doing. And we looked at all the picks they got. They got pick and pick just to take certain players. They're actually looking pretty good in the coming up drafts. They're, they're not uh, totally too slim. I understand everyone being salty about the draft rules. And they are more favorable for them. But like I said, the, the league talent has elevated since then. There was less expansion teams. Because when the Preds joins, there were, there was multiple expansion teams coming in that same decade, so you already have slim pickings to begin with. Yeah, I get it, and at the same time, you got to give them credit. Yeah. It, it's a little bit of both. I'm yeah. I'm like I'm taking the middle ground. It's They're, like yeah, they gave they were given the favorable hand, but they got the favorable hand and they turned it into the better hand, the winning hand. Like they took the pieces that were given to them and they turned it into a championship caliber roster. I think at the end of the day, the reason why a lot of people are so salty is they're just simply envious that their team is that their team is not doing as well as the Knights did. Yeah, exactly. A lot of the people who are saying that are the are the fans of the teams who got directly uh, who lost to the Knights. But again, I go back to the crux of 
people who say, well, they're too favorable in the draft. Well, the difference is nobody was saying this months ago. They're only saying it now after they've just beat your favorite team. Yep. And I, somebody casually on Twitter said, to make light of the conversation, they said, you know, this is success for the sport. This is awesome. And it, whether you like it or not, because your team lost to them, some seven-year-old is sitting in front of his television in Vegas and loving and falling in love with hockey. And he's never seen hockey. But because they have a team, they're doing great. Some kids in Vegas are going to grow up and have a hockey team, and it's going to do great for the sport. And that's absolutely why this is good. I don't care how much of a hockey purist you are. If you love the sport, you want it to grow, and you have to concede that this is a good thing. Because now, like you said, there are kids who are watching hockey the first time probably in that area that have never actually had a home team to root for and now have a team like Vegas to root for. It's good for the sport, not good for the cup. Yeah, for you, original six. No, it's good for the NHL, and it's good for growing hockey. I didn't say that. I said it's bad for the cup because the cup is the hardest. It is supposed to be the hardest trophy to win. Yeah. That's my point I was trying to make earlier. It's tough for you Leafs fans who oh God. Vegas first year <laughs> or, you know, had a more successful year than Leafs ever had in their historic more franchise. More points yeah. in the regular season than <laughs> an original six team yeah. has ever had. So it's a little tough for them, but I think overall good for the sport. Yep. Good for the sport, not good for the cup. That's my middle ground. But, man, you can't fault them at this point. They've proven everyone wrong. They've proven every single... Did you see, speaking of proven wrong the other day, they, I think it was their last game, they trolled Drew Doughty yep, on, on the, the ice. ice. They put out the screen of, of his quote just saying, there's no way they're going to be a better team than us by the end of the season. <laughs> so that was I mean, a great troll. Classic Vegas right there. That was a good one. It's just crazy, man. It, absolutely crazy year for them. But, like I said... They're showing everyone, you know, that they're legit. And I'll say, while Vegas is off showing everybody they're legit, Preds decided they weren't done skating after the offseason. Well, I'll say they're offseason, but they decided they wanted to go jump off to the uh, Hockey World Tournament. Do you think the Predators were a little mad that they got bounced in the second round? Because for some reason, every single Predator that made it to the, uh, the IIHF destroyed in the tournament. I think they were a little ticked off. I mean, competition, yes, a little lower. <laughs> than the NHL. Bigger ice, a little bit more space. I get it. But they did really well. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy because I think once they got to the quarterfinals, like every single Predator that had gone over was still in it, maybe besides one. I, I know it was like Benino, Yossi, uh, Fiala, yeah. RV, Ekholm, Forsberg, um, Tourist. Tourist, too. So yeah, seven of them were in the quarterfinals. <laughs> You can see on the screen behind me, guys, of the top four teams that finished, they each had a Preds person on them. That's crazy. You had Canada finishing fourth with Kyle Turris, the USA with Keith Kincaid and Patrick Kane, and Nick Bonino <laughs> finished third. By the way, Keith Kincaid, I would love to have him on the Preds team if it was possible, but I know Jersey's got him and we're not going to get him back. <laughs> yeah. Well, we never have him to begin with, but we'll never get him on our team. Roman Yossi and Fiala finished second with the Swiss, and then Forsberg gets Sweden a 3-2 win over the Swiss with a shootout win for their second straight IIHF Ice Hockey World Championship in Copenhagen. Yeah, when I when I saw that um <laughs> that you had three predators in particular Ekholm, RV and Forsberg going to Sweden, I was like they can't not be the favorites now. I mean, that was like an instant boost. And of oh, course, you know like, they loved it. All of a sudden you start seeing the gifts and it's like Forsberg taking a slap or a wrist shot, and guess who's in front doing a jump screen? 
Well, goodness, that looks exactly like out of the Predators playbook. You had Ekholm shooting one end to RV on this gorgeous tip-in. Uh, it was just... It was just straight predators hockey in the IHHF, yeah. and it was it was nice to see that. But they were mad. You could tell they were mad. They were getting out some aggression. But congratulations to them because I've seen the pictures. They were I think they were in uh, uh, Stockholm today celebrating. It was him and RV and Ekholm, and it was funny because the players of the game were Forsberg and Yossi <laughs> shaking at the end. <laughs> so like, see you back in the fall, bud. And I tell you, I love Sweden's uniforms. Oh, the they're best. great. The best. Just gold with that blue crown. They are the best. Or even the blue with the uh, gold crowns. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, really. If I'm if I'm them, I'm more excited about that playing for my country almost than I am the the Stanley Cup. I think as a national player, <clears throat> that would be the most exciting time. Like I said, hockey is so good. It's not just your favorite team in Nashville. It's not just the NHL. There you got worlds. You got the OHL, you got ECHL. There's so much good hockey going around and seeing the clips. And we were listening a little bit before the show oh, of yeah. the announcers and in, in the native language and how they say the Forsberg and with have, the natural tongue. It, first great. of all, having been to Finland, I, I studied abroad in Finland, Sweden, and Estonia. So being around Swedish people and Finnish people is like the coolest thing ever. And especially when I went there, they were having this tournament, the same tournament. And I actually brought my Predators jersey. And I remember walking around town, and it is like 10 a.m., and no one is doing anything but watching hockey. No matter where you're at, you're watching hockey. It was fantastic. And, of course, they saw my jersey, and they're like, oh, my gosh, how do you have that? You know, I have to explain, yes, Pekka, when I was in Finland particularly. And then when I went to Sweden, it was like, oh, it was the opposite. Then I started getting, you know, Forsberg fans, and it was was kind of – hilarious everywhere I went I was gaining different hockey players from our club but uh I mean they just they breathe it in the Scandinavian countries Finland and Sweden in particular um but it's nice to see them have some success and also do you think that them not being able to play in the Olympics also factored into several of these players wanting to get back over really quick because they were unable to play for their country yeah so they didn't have that Olympic break I honestly think they were super motivated to get over there and try to win a gold. So, All I know is I was listening to Craig Custins talk about how he went over for the tournament, and he said a lot of people there actually come over from America and from their native wherever to come watch the tournament, and they take that time. That's their one time a year they go, and I was thinking, man, that that's something we need to do. Go over there, watch some hockey, tour some of the local towns around there. I, I already said I wanted to do it. I, I sent you that text, remember? They're doing the, the Global Series. Yeah. In Sweden again, we could fly into Norway, catch the train. We we could hit Norway. We could hit Oslo, Sweden, go down to, to Denmark for a bit. That'd be a good week, week and a half trip right there. I think I would like that. Oh, yeah. I, I'm just saying. Get some jerseys while I'm over there. Yeah. T- oh, man. I'll get me a Swedish. I'm telling you, the Swedish, Swedes. Yeah, the Swedish jersey. Everybody knows I love Russians, but Sweden's my number two. They rock. Yeah. The, the, but the jersey. And the jersey, the jersey is, the is definitely the best. I'm just talking about the players. All the players from over there as well. Yeah, I, I would love I would love to take that trip. We might have to make that happen, guys. So, Daniel has a nice little rant oh, prepared rant. for us. A rant? Did you say you had a rant for the show? Something about tickets? Yeah, tickets. Let's, let, uh, hmm. How do I explain this other than the fact that we had several topics that we wanted to address in the offseason for the Predators, 
and tickets might be one of them just due to the sheer price of tickets. Kyle knows this, being a season ticket holder, and also myself just being attached with Kyle in our mutual dealings in the playoffs and buying tickets together and season tickets. Is it good that the tickets are going up? I understand. Here's my argument. I honestly think with success comes the price hike. I understand it as a consumer. I completely understand it. But I honestly felt like a little bit of the magic was sapped from Bridgestone this playoff year because you had more of the businessmen just drinking in the juice because your season ticket holders from last year were unable to make it back to the postseason this year because of ticket prices. Hence me. I couldn't go to a single playoff game this year because I could no longer afford it. You did buy a car. This is true. (laughs) But that said, you have long-term fans who have been here since day one. (laughs) 20 years. Some of these people have had season tickets for that long. And then you get rid of the half-season ticket price, or the package, rather. So you go to all fulls. First of all, that instantly like doubles what people have to pay. So they either have to sell the tickets, which Kyle and I are looking at that option, too, for when we get tickets again. Um, it's, it's almost as if like we knew it was coming. But at the same time, I feel like there should be it should be kept within reason to keep the fans that need to be there in the arena. I've been going to the game since I'm five, five. And the fact that I was starting to get priced out too <laughs> during, during the playoffs was a little hard to swallow. I, I mean, I want to be there for every game. I, I do. And I understand. I completely understand. Now, this is this is me being a fan. This is from a fan's perspective. It sucks. But I know that with success comes <laughs> the extra price hike and the, the penalty for that. Well, the problem is it's a business. And I was actually reading a quote from Brooks Bratton today. He said that during the Preds' regular season, their TV ratings on Fox Sports had increased 160% from last year. And during the first round of the playoffs, 62% increase. And the second round, they had a 34% increase. And with all this increase in viewership and the desire to be there, it's a hot thing to do in town. The prices get jacked up. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, that does price out many of the fans, but it is a business. I know it sucks. because Well, I went to school for business, so I fully get it in my mind. But as a fan too, yeah. it's like, it's like, oh, the, I, I do, I do want to pay that money because obviously it's going to benefit the team too. I mean, it's it's a give and take. You're you're paying that higher price. The league's benefiting. The team's benefiting. You get a higher, you know, salary. It, it just it goes hand in hand with it. But it just sucks as a fan. I mean, there's no other way to to comprehend it. Yeah. The really down part, like you've mentioned, is that it creates really a barrier to entry for new fans. Because sometimes I remember through the week and during the season, oh, you ain't got nothing to do on a Thursday night. Hey, let's go see a hockey game. We can get tickets pretty cheap. Sometimes they run deals, college specials. But when you price the tickets and jack them up, I know. Yeah, they're done. You're creating a barrier to entry. And some of those casual fans who might not yet be hooked don't have an opportunity to go. Consequently, TV ratings have gone up (laughs) because more people are watching at home. That said, though, I think the Predators organization will handle it better than some. Montreal, it's just a bunch of businessmen. Toronto, too. <laughs> Toronto yeah. is another one. I don't want us to turn into that, and I don't think so, just because the culture in Nashville is totally different. Sean yeah. Henry is a totally different person, 
And I think you started seeing them offer different, you know, uh, a variety of different options, especially during the playoffs with the um, the watch party. So the further we get in the playoffs, that just gets blown up. I mean, the finals last year, we were going to watch parties where there's 40,000 people on Broad Street. You and there's even like, see the television, though. And there's five blocks shut down. That's awesome. And that's free also. I mean, you just have to pay for parking and your food. So it's way cheaper than a playoff ticket. So I think they're doing the right things to counteract that and give every single person the best chance to experience the atmosphere. But as far as being in the arena for some of the playoff games, it's it's going to be unrealistic anymore. You're going to only be able to go to a couple. Only, I mean, it just is what it is. The only downside of the Preds getting kicked out early, I kind of hope it kind of shakes off some of those uh, Ben Wagner fans that only started going because the Preds are doing so well. That way I might have a chance to get back in because I really want to go watch a game next season. I really do. Yeah. It, it sucked having to sit home and watch every single playoff game from the house. Because, yes, while it was easier to watch and I could you know manage it a little better, there's just something about watching playoff hockey live. Oh. It's just so, and I hate this word so much, but I have to say it because it fits. It's special. <laughs> no, it, it really is. Like, y- you soak up that arena energy. It's yeah. just it's just emanating, and Bridgestone is one of the best at it. <laughs> and as a fan, you want to be there to to add an increase to the excitement and really rein it in. It's almost like electric being in that atmosphere. But at the same time, you got to go home, you got to pay the mortgage. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it is what it is. I was able to go to a couple games, fortunately, but I still paid through the nose for them. Yeah. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. I think they're going to do well, but I just wanted to throw that out there as a. Public service announcement for Preds fans. Uh, we're Preds fans too, and it sucks. But with that, you are furthering the team. It is furthering the NHL and the growth of the sport. And with that comes the higher salary caps. Uh, it comes everything. So speaking of salary caps, <laughs> we got some Preds that need to get signed this offseason. So... uh Looking at some of the players that are going to be dropping off, well, we know Fisher's not coming back, <laughs> so he's gone. And we also know already that Hartnell is going to be gone, which I don't know how y'all felt about that, but we play him almost 82 games, and then he barely plays in the playoffs, and then we pull him in, and he plays absolutely incredible, and then we just kind of at the end of the season, we're like, no, we're not going to offer you anything. Well, I think he knew that going in. It was just a one-year deal. I get it, but boy, we played differently with him in the lineup, and he was gritty. And I yeah. love his style of play. I would have almost offered him a one, like one more, roll it back one more, <laughs> hit hit, uh, hit redial on the one million. Yeah, you know David Poyle only gives that special deal out once a year. Yeah, so I'm assuming he will probably retire too as Fisher. So currently, the Predators heading into the end of the season had roughly $2.8 million in cap space. This said, you're going to shed a couple contracts with uh, with Fisher and uh, Hartnell being gone. So that gives you $2 million right off the top. Just boom, right back. And don't forget Emelin. Oh my God. It has finally happened. Emelin will be off of our salary cap. And by the way, yeah, Matt's over here thanking <laughs> Jesus for that. Uh, do you know, Matt, how much we were paying Emlyn? I don't remember. 
$2.98 million. I was going to say about three. Way more than we probably should I know have it was, been. It was a couple million more than more what than, I wanted. Yeah, I, I would have been nice at like one five. Yeah, <laughs> all been, that money was going towards that orange paint for the traffic cone. Yeah, I, I would have been really comfortable in the one five zone. And when I looked that up and I saw it was right at basically $3 million, yeah. I was like, dear God. So first of all, take him off. He's not coming back. Uh, that's $5 million coming back to us. I, I mean, pretty good. I, I'll, I'll take that any day. Um, so the problem is here, we have several players that absolutely need to get re-signed. And Soros is one. Hartman is one. I think Hartman will probably get signed for at least a million. And Salamaki is the other RFA. Well, Salty's gone. He, you can basically kiss him goodbye. There's yeah. no way we're, we're used to He's already 25 years old, and I don't think we're going to get much more out of him. If anything, I think he'll get sent down to the AHL, probably give uh, the Admiral some depth. Yeah, so we, we shed the couple contracts, but we pay a first-rounder for Ryan Hartman. So we're obviously keeping him. The Preds want to, you know, kind of craft him and continue to develop him over the next several years. So what do you think a fair price is? Because right now, you got to think, they're, they're speculating that the salary cap is going to to increase and go to... 80 million. Let's just say 80 million. We're it's being we're, generous. We're going to go, well, that's middle because they said anywhere from uh, 77 to 82. So about middle ground's 80. Okay. So if we just say that the salary cap is going to increase 5 million, we get 5 million back. We get 5 million basically from contracts. We have about three. You're looking at roughly $13.6 million. Yes, I have an Excel spreadsheet here for those who cannot see, and I've programmed it all. I'm actually so really impressed with how well so, this sheet is. I look at this and I'm like, wow, I wish I could do this. It's, Where did you find time to make this? It's easy. I just, no. Cat friendly and exporting it's it. It's easy, and Matt. Then we I, love hockey, baby. I, I live in Excel every day. So this is what I do, Kyle. Just let me have it. He excels at it, Thank Kyle. you. Thank you, Matt. I was just oh. waiting for that joke to come out. Did Daniel take it away? Okay. So like I said, we're shedding the contracts. Let's just say we get $5 million. That puts us at roughly thirteen point six million dollars to do with as we please. Let's put a, let's put our GM hats on. What are you paying for some of these players right now? What do you think Hartman's worth? To be honest, I, I, look at some of these other contracts now. I would say I would give Hartman a million dollars. That's low. Yeah, I'd give him a that, little more. That's than low. Okay, honestly, maybe two. I honestly think it's going to be two, two five because we gave up a first rounder for but, him. Okay, so you give him two five, two five for how long? That's the deal. You know, Poyle, he likes those long term contracts. Yeah, um, I like the short term contracts. I like to keep him on a short leash. Yeah, but, but I don't think you're going to you, see any bridge deals though. But say you give him a two million for like five years. Would you be okay with that? Honestly, in my opinion, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, two, that's for fair. a young player. A young player. Two and a half for five years? Or two. Two so, to two and two and a half. He currently makes less than a million. Yes. So I don't know. I don't really want to see him above two point five. I think that's that's the top end. Let's say he hits two point five. He fetches two point five, which which I think is a fair price considering contracts are going up. And on top of it, uh you have essentially locked him in for several years and he's a younger player. So say you do lock him in at that price. 
you might be sitting pretty for the next couple of years. Look at Yarncroc's contract, $2 million. What a steal. And he only started getting better this season. Well, I, I like the bridge deals. I like to show me, give me on a short leash. Let me see what you can do. But that's not necessarily Poyle. Poyle likes to go ahead and lock him up early like RV. I'm going to go ahead and lock you up because I see potential in you and, and lock you in probably at a lower rate than what I would if I three years later. Yes. So the question totally. is, do you believe the same thing about Hartman or I don't know. I, I, I think it's a, be big a little bit mark. too early for me to lock him up, hoping that he's going to be producing for me in two or three years. That's why I say a two point five million dollar contract safe, because say you do it for three years, two point five million dollars. That's more of a bridge contract. And on top of that, you're not paying them a ton. I mean, Arvey's making 4.5 or 4, you know, and some change here, uh, 4.25 million for Arvidsson, which is a fantastic deal for a 30-goal scorer. So uh, I'm just going to put in 2.5 million just to see where we're, to get us going here. So now that leaves us with, you know, a generous portion, about 11 million left. Well, you come down and you look at this. Well, we got to sign Soros this year. Have to. Do you do a bridge deal? More than likely, yes. So what do you think Soros is going to make now? Because if you're looking at the roster, do you, do you think he's going to make less than uh, $1.5 million? No. But if he's going to be a starting goaltender, what do you give him? Because look at Rene. He's at $7 million. $7 million. So, Where do you put your starting goaltender who basically you're saying, I'm going to mortgage my future on Soros? So do you do a two, three-year deal for two, two, five? I think that's honestly going to be what we're going to have to pay to keep him, to bridge him over to when he takes over that starting role, when Peck's contract sheds off ours. Well, they can just re-roll, you know, Pekka's basically cap money straight into Soros. So I, I let's just say a $2 million deal gets Soros this year. Well, we're now looking at uh, about $9 million. So, Kyle... We have a couple more people that we want to sign, and that is Ryan Ellis. Which, I don't know. Be I've heard people say he should be a sign-and-trade. For who? John Tavares. And this brings us to the crazy speculation that has been going around the league with the fact that John Tavares wants to play for the Nashville Predators. But to be honest, I really don't know how we, we don't lose a key person here. To try to get him. I think, though, if it is an option and he wants to play here, why would you not entertain the idea? You have to. I mean, am I, am I not wrong? It's almost a 90-point scorer, one of the best in the league. you got to go after him. If he comes in, I think he automatically becomes your first C. No. Uh, no, no. You Actually, so? I'm, I'm going to no. make a good point on this in a few minutes. But, uh, I mean, what do you think, Matt? Do you, do you go after him? Well, the question is priority and money. So what is your best priority? Do you want another center, a, a top six center, or do you want a, another defenseman? Like, do you need to lock down Ellis? What's more of a priority for you is the question. Because of, you need to distribute the big money first, and then you can quibble over a couple half million with Hartman here and there, whatever. Well, I honestly think Ryan Ellis is going to fetch $6 million. You can't say that's not a fair price. His performance has been going up. He played half a year, scored like 35 points. 
as a defenseman. He's going to make six. Look at the other. I mean, PK is making nine. Yeah. Well, I don't know. If it's me, as bad as I want Tavares, you guys got some center depth last year. That was on the agenda for last year. So this time, I'm I'm sure not my defense. I want Ryan Ellis resigned if I'm Nashville. As bad as I want Tavares. Okay, so say we sign, you know, Ellis to a nice long contract, five four years, whatever. At this point, we're just basically looking at next year and the cap space for six million dollars. Well, that leaves us five point six. That is not getting Tavares because I honestly think he's going to be north of ten. He'll probably hit eleven million, maybe a year, against the cap. And it's funny because they, they've been talking about how he wants to come here first to play, which I think he honestly wants some stability. He I wants, want, he wants, he wants out, out and Islanders. he doesn't want snow. Um, yeah. he's, he's childhood friends with PK. He's played with Yossi before. So he has some ties in Nashville where I could see him wanting, you know, wanting to move here and play for us for a, a great team. That said, he, I don't think he's giving us that big of a discount to come here. He's still going to fetch $11 million realistically. So at this point, this is my argument. Who do you give up to try to go after Tavares? And I'm going to say, I know this is going to be controversial, you get rid of Kyle Turris, $6 million on the contract. If you get rid of Kyle Turris right here and then sign... Tavares, for $11 million, we are underneath the cap. That's fair. I would do that. Uh, darn right you would. Yeah. Are you going to get Tavares, and then you get to stick him on a second line? And guess what? So we basically have two first lines now rolling because, I mean, that's kind of how the system's been doing it. Jets kind of did that this year. Line A was on the second line. <laughs> He's good enough for first line material. But you see a lot of teams rolling, two lines, two top lines. So you put... The Jofa line intact. You obviously got great chemistry, great performance with him. You bring in Tavares, who has a track record of basically raising the talent level around him. Look at who he's playing with on the Islanders. Not good talent, and they're making decent numbers because of Tavares. So you put him on the side, or, or on a second line center, and you flank him with Fiala, an upcoming Probably going to be an excellent goal scorer for us. And guess who's sitting on the he's sitting on the wing, just hanging out, who's ready to make his NHL debut? Oh, Tolvanen. Yeah. yeah. Tolvanen, baby. Now you're talking. So you're talking about a potential second line of Fiala, Tavares, and Tolvanen. You just sold Matt. Oh, yeah. Do you I'm get rid of Turris now? Oh, yeah. He's gone. And, and really, Turris's impact has been, you know, not extravagant, fairly minimal. And he still fetches that high dollar because he's still a good producer. I'd let him Six go. Six million. So, yeah. like I said, on the cap, if I took rid of, you know, let's just ship off Kyle Turris right now. He's gone. We don't need him anymore. So now. Hurts my feelings a little bit, but uh, Oh, no, because you were high on him. Oh, and, I love and, him. And he but... came in, and I'm, I'm still, I think he underperformed in the playoffs. He knows yeah. this. He That's knows, an understatement. He, he knows this. He was frustrated. Looking at his past previous records in the playoffs, been excellent performances. I mean, very solid player. But if you're telling me I can get rid of Kyle Turris and then get a Tavares yeah. who's going to score 90 points in a season? Yeah, no question. <laughs> There's Tavares no question. is the better player there. And he's probably a better fit considering Turris really hasn't been a great fit yet. Still fetches the money. 
So the difference is, which is your first priority? Is it getting Tavares or is it re-signing Ellis? Because if, it's, if it comes down to Ellis versus Tavares, I've got Ellis. I, I, I side with the same thing. If it's, if it's Ryan Ellis or Tavares, I'm getting Ryan Ellis. But, but I'm saying there is a possibility where we can do it. Yeah, I hadn't considered shipping off somebody else that has a big I, I was hit, looking at it because I'm like, hit. the only... It needed to be someone six million and higher because one, Ellis was going to get signed for six. You know he is. He's not going to give us that much of a hometown discount, even though he wants to play here. He probably would fetch six five, maybe seven on a good day. On the market, so he takes six here to stay here and want to play. He wants to play here. He said that in his interviews. So if he takes six here, you have to have. And like I said. That's assuming we go to 80, which everyone is feeling pretty good that we're going to hit 80 on the cap space. You would literally have just so, enough. You would be able to offer Tavares $11 million. Yeah. So you're basically shedding a $6 million contract in Turris and signing Ellis for $6, $6 million. million. And, and that and leaves you, that it still leaves you at even at $13.5 million for. Well, not 13 and a half. You still have to sign Ryan Hartman little, and, yeah. and, and Soros. But if you can get those deals done at a at a mild price and say, you gotta you gotta pitch it to him. You gotta yeah. be like, bro, if we have a shot at going for Tavares, would you take five hundred thousand dollars? Yes. If I can get five hundred thousand dollars left off this contract and off that contract, that's a million extra. Okay, we have enough to to give Tavares an eleven million dollar deal. Man, now you're getting me juiced up. I was sitting there looking at the numbers, and the numbers don't lie because you could you could potentially be able to sign Ryan Ellis. And then get rid of Turris and then sub in a Tavares on the second line and then him play with Fiala and Tolvanen. You can't tell me, you cannot tell me we would not be cup favorites coming out of the gate. That is ridiculous. That, that'd be a, that'd be the get of the year to get Tavares. And he's the big name, especially since Evander Kane is wrapping up talks to get re signed for a long term deal with yeah. the Sharks. It's, it's Tavares, Tavares is baby. The, is that's the big, the big name. That's the big one on the block. And I'm saying, if he wants to be here, if he wants to play with his friend PK, we will open our arms and just wrap him in a gold sweater and just let him score 90 points. <laughs> yep, and I will gladly go buy that gold sweater. I wanted to I wanted to compile this list just to show everyone that it was possible. It is 100% possible. There are a lot of ifs, though. Like I said, you have to get Hartman signed at a reasonable deal. You have to get Soros signed at a reasonable deal. You have to see what... Ellis wants. I'm thinking the six million. But if you can shed, and I honestly think someone out there would take Turris for six million dollars. He's an excellent player. Oh yeah, he's great. He's an excellent player. Six million dollars on a long term contract, I might add, because we locked him in through the 21-22 season. So someone would get him at a really good deal, and I honestly think he'll have decent numbers for that price. So I honestly think there is a path yeah. to Tavares, let, and I have found it. Let him it. go to, uh, <laughs> yeah. GM Daniel has put his hat on, and this is the path. So just keep retweeting this and get it out there because we need to make this happen. Yeah, pitch pitch Tavares to a team that ha- that really needs some pieces. Like you said, look at what Tavares is doing for the Islanders. So pitch Tavares, he'll be a superstar on a team that doesn't have any big names, and he will, he'll double his production. Oh, he, he more than likely would come out on a team that doesn't have center depth and be a first-line center. Yeah. And look, that team might not have the cap space to go get Tavares. Yep, but so he they would can be come a first-line asset on For $6 million. Dollars. See, man. I'm, make, man, I'm just I'm luring them in right now. I can hear the phone call. Board, the phone call. Matt is already calling <laughs> me asking for Tavares. 
I'm in line waiting to buy my jersey. <laughs> and he's waiting for the Tavares jersey. I'm just saying it is possible. There's a ton of ifs. We will figure that out, and I'm sure Poyle is looking at every option, and I'm sure he's even seen this option. I mean, he, he's got these numbers. He knows. But when I saw that juicy $6 million contract on there for Turris, so you give up a, a center to gain a better center. We'll see what he says. We can always tweet him. So I'm just saying I'm pretty stoked for the offseason, and it's going to be it's gonna be the uh, Tavares sweepstakes this year. You know, a couple teams are definitely in the lookout for a sweepstakes because with Winnipeg being eliminated, this marks a 25-year drought that no Canadian team has won the Cup. The last Canadian team to win was in 93. So all the Canadian teams are going to be looking for a sweepstakes next year. Um, but speaking of the Canadians, they have re-signed Antti Niemi to a $950,000 one-year, one-way deal. And that's a pretty significant drop-off from last year. He made $4.5 million, and now he's down to less than one. But one last thing about the Canadians, or a Canadian team that you guys would get behind, is Winnipeg's Patrick Laine. Tim Campbell reports that he has a 2 p.m. appointment in Finland on Friday for a haircut and a beard removal. He's losing the goat beard, boys. I really hope they're going to sear that beard with laser so it never grows back. It's pretty terrible. It is absolutely terrible. It's the worst I've ever seen. I don't see how people find that beard as something to be proud of. Yeah, that, that was the best tweet I saw all day. Everybody was praising God that uh, he's going to lose that beard. It just looked like it was one of those beards that you have just, just because you could do it. I don't think he can do it. Did you see how scraggly it was? Like, he just did not look good. He looked like an Amish, like... Like, he was about to pull up in his horse and buggy and have a delicious baked good and some <laughs> finely crafted furniture for me to buy. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying it's a bad thing, because I love Am- Amish furniture, but I'm just saying, man, he did not look good. Wait a couple more years for puberty to hit and, and, and let the beard grow in, or just, you know, do, do some scruff. But do you like Amish bread? It's excellent. Do you like it, Matt? Yeah. I love it, but, man, just... You know, get the scruff. You hear that? That's scruff. That's good. Well, I threw that one in there for kicks because I thought you guys would would like that one. So that's the best league news I've heard. <laughs> it is thus far. You know what? In fact, I might just wipe everything off on the podcast, and all our podcast is simply going to be Patrick N- Line gets alert. a haircut and shares and shaves his beard. That's it. And the world is pleased. Well, if the world is pleased, they should be following us on Twitter. And that's a good segue into our Twitter handles, boys. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can find us at Music City Gold. You can find me at Kyle Hancock. You can find Matt at MattBain31. You can find Daniel C. Dan Drum. It's been a great week, guys. Hopefully, Capitals get win Game Seven tomorrow. Joke. Yeah, it's a joke. My personal joke. No, choke. I said choke. <laughs> oh, <not a> joke. <laughs> wow. See, they're okay. so they're so similar, you know, that you can't distinguish them at times, Kyle. But we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe Lightning won't strike tomorrow. And that being said, guys, this is Music City Gold. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you on the ice.